Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Amini Suwedi, and you're listening to the Murid Talks podcast. Welcome back to another solo episode of the podcast. And today we'd be discussing on the concept of being and consciousness. Oftentimes in our podcast, we've discussed the ontological aspect of metaphysics. This is being, core being, as related to the ultimate reality. And I've found this to be the case in most world philosophies and traditions as well. The other aspect, which is less discussed, is that of consciousness and its implications. For the lack of a better way of putting it, this will be the epistemological aspect of metaphysics, the knowledge aspect of metaphysics. As to why one aspect is discussed more than the other, my theory is that it all stems from how we view being and consciousness in reality. Being seems to be external to us. And the key word here is seems. Its transcendent and grandesque nature is apparent from our observation of the universe. What is out there appears to be indefinitely larger than me in here. And this is how we view consciousness as a limited identity or point of view as a subject in here viewing or encompassed by the world out there. Another theory is that due to the limitations of our rational minds, which operate in a dualistic framework, it is easier to study being as other through objectification. Do we not use terms such as objective world? This is the world as it is, versus the subjective world, the world as we see it. The former is used synonymously with fact, whilst the latter is equated to sentiment and opinion. But I believe we cannot really achieve true gnosis, true realization, unless we've reconciled the two points of view, the objective and subjective the outer and the inner, the transcendent and the immanent, being and consciousness. In this, I'm reminded of the passage in the Tanakh, or the Torah, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, quote, God said to Moses, I am what I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. End quote. It is very interesting that the statement I am is both a statement of being and that of awareness. I would like to explore this further by the guidance of the aforementioned passage. If we go back to the previous verse, Exodus 3.13, Moses asks God what name shall he give to the Israelites once he delivers the message. God's name here isn't a simple proper name given to someone, 
but a question of essence, of reality, of identity. So when Moses asks God for his name, we could simply rephrase it to what is your reality or what is your essence. God proceeds to reply with the simplest statement of being. I am what I am, which could also be translated as I am that I am, or I am who I am. In the previous episodes, we've explored how this points to God's reality or essence being that of being itself. But as we've mentioned above, the statement I am is also a statement of the awareness of one's being. In this case, God is aware that he is. And if we factor in that he is that he is, we can easily infer that God is the awareness that he is. So, God, or ultimate reality, is being and awareness. These two concepts are essentially one. Being entails awareness, and awareness entails being. And even though it is unnecessary to say so, we could elaborate it by the phrase for I am to be, it has to be aware that it is. And for I am to be aware that it is, it has to be. Neither is prior to the other, as they essentially abide in I am. Knowing this, the Hindu tradition identifies the ultimate reality as Sat Chit Ananda, meaning being, consciousness, awareness, and infinite. We have established in our previous episodes how being is infinite by the fact that it encompasses all there is. It is the principle and integrate of all existence. It has neither beginning nor end and excludes nothing from itself. It is all there is. But what about consciousness awareness? If we equate it with being core being, are we saying that it is essentially infinite as well? But how can we establish this? How can we realize this? The reasonable first step is to ask the question, what is consciousness awareness? I would reply by saying that consciousness awareness is at once the sense of selfhood and the synthetic intuitive realization of that selfhood. Notice how both these can simply be synthesized in the statement, I am. I am is selfhood. I am. But also its realization. I am. So we could say that consciousness is the unmediated and intuitive realization of oneself. But one has to realize that this isn't a definition in the etymological sense of the word as I haven't conditioned or delimited the idea of consciousness, or this intuitive self-realization. For that, I'd have to delimit or condition the self that is realized. So what is that self? When we contemplate on the I core I, the I in itself, we actually have a hard time identifying what it is. But the sense that it is, is not lost to us. Even when contemplating, we cannot but ask, what is that which contemplates on what it is? It is witnessing not only itself, but all that arises in itself. 
But how do we know that it all arises in itself? For that, we would have to evaluate and deconstruct the subject-object supposition. As indicated in the beginning, we generally equate the I that is aware with the subject, which from our common worldview seems to be a very particularized point of view, a reality limited in space and time and within a limited name-body complex, meaning a specific identity or quiddity within a material form. This is opposed to or complemented by what surrounds and is experienced by the subject, which is the world out there, generally identified as the object or objective world. Depending on who you ask, the objective world could either be limited to or extend beyond the material domain. But we shall not get into this at the moment. What is important here is the supposed subject-object distinction. In short, we identify ourselves with a particular mind-body complex, specifically that of the human form. And it is this form, through our senses, that makes contact with the objective world. But I've learned to challenge this assumption, which it truly is an assumption. Why is myself, or the self, limited to the human identity? What in reality leads me to that conclusion? The simplest solution that comes to my mind is, one, my senses, two, my localized psyche, which leads to, three, the illusion of control. I have my inner feelings, thoughts, emotions, memories, that are seemingly distinct from others, but I also receive localized inputs from the space and time that my body happens to occupy at the moment, which is also distinct from others' localized inputs. This also gives me a sense that I'm partially in control of a certain aspect of my particular form, such as motion and even my thought processes, a control I do not possess for other particularized bodies. In realizing this, the question still lingers. What is the I that identifies itself with the limited mind-body complex? Is the I the mind that occupies the body or the body that happens to have a mind? If either of these were able to answer the question fully, why is that sense of I not limited to my particular form? Why do I encounter other particular forms with a sense of I, no matter how different that sense is? So, I-ness can't be any particular body or mind, yet it is displayed or manifested in so many localized forms. So my I and your I and somebody else's I is still I. They still say the word I. What we're trying to understand is consciousness core consciousness, consciousness in itself, the I in itself, and not this or that particularized manifestation. So not my I or your I, just the I in itself, consciousness in itself, awareness in itself. So in the same way we've discussed being core being, being in itself, we see how being isn't any particular existent but it is evident in all existence. 
all beings are because being is or being is isness so could we ask the same of consciousness are all things conscious because consciousness realizes or consciousness is realization my observation allows me to answer in the affirmative we are aware because we have an intuitive sense of self-realization which can't be particularized in itself we have that sense of i i am so my self-realization isn't different to any other being's self-realization what differs is how we condition that self which as we've seen is simply a case of assuming an identity rather than a true concrete and separate ontology the self the i as such is nothing in particular it simply is taking us back to i am once this i am assumes a limited form it can then condition itself by realizing that form as itself for example i am a human i am a tree i am an angel i am fire etc etc this is the subjective pole of reality the objective pole is that of being so we could rephrase the examples to a human is a tree is an angel is or fire is where being assumes the fact that it is consciousness assumes the fact that it realizes itself as itself no matter how this realization is manifested to be is to be aware and to be aware is to be so in the truest sense the subject object aren't true distinct ontological realities but two poles of the same reality the subjective is the witnessing or knowing or envisioning aspect of reality the objective is the aspect that is witnessed or known or envisioned one cannot be without the other with this i'm reminded of quran 65 verse 12 quote it is god who created the seven heavens and of the earth a similar number his command descends throughout them so you should realize that he has power over all things and that god encompasses all things in knowledge end quote the creation of the seven heavens and seven earths points to the multiple states of being this is the objective the ontological aspect and these multiple states stem from god's command the amr which is the statement kun fayakun be and it is it is the statement of being this command is the axis which descends throughout all states of being principiating them into existence eternally the word translated as powerful is qadir so god is qadir god is the powerful which could also point to the idea of measure or meter 
God is the measure of all things. God measures all things. Such that all existence is simply a condition of his being. A limited manifestation, an assumed identity. This verse closes out by affirming the subjective side, that God encompasses all things in knowledge. God is the awareness of all things, which is the being of all things. God is not distinct from his knowledge. God doesn't know as if he knows an other, but as self. I am that I am. Being only knows being. Being is the knowledge of all things which is being. This is not to say that being is a single monolith, such that particular existence aren't affirmed. Nay, being affirms all things in its eternal present. For to know itself, it knows all things. Not as this or that, but as itself. And by assuming all forms. Within the Hindu tradition, the self, Atman, is the ultimate reality, Brahman, and the act of manifestation is equated to Lila, which could be translated as divine play or divine drama. It is the self which plays the so many roles by the act of conditioning itself into the indefinite manifestations of itself. It is the Atman behind all selves, like an actor playing so many roles. The Atman immerses itself into the role, principiating localized consciousness, whilst simultaneously being transcendent and untouched by such localization. The act of gnosis or self-realization is to see beyond the veil of localized subjectivity and to know oneself as the self, as Atman. I am none other than he, for only he is, and I, the ego, am not. And the ego here is the localized subject, and not the subject per excellence, the self per excellence, the I qua I. But the ego is still a reflection, a manifestation of that I, qua I. The Qur'an also identifies this worldly life as a game, and God as one who is the best in mockery. They mock and God mocks. Surely God is the greatest of mockers. The whole of creation is a pretense of the infinite, assuming finitude and limitation to realize the fullness of its being, without, once again, being at all affected by such assumption. So God is realizing his ananda, his unending reality, by assuming all forms, by assuming all localizations, all reflections. And it is upon this realization that one is truly liberated when one realizes that the true reality, the true I, the true consciousness is the consciousness of all consciousnesses. It is the awareness of the I am. As Lao Tzu says in the Tao Te Ching, quote, The Tao abides in non-action, yet nothing is left undone. If kings and lords observed this, 
the 10,000 things will develop naturally. If they still desired to act, they would return to the simplicity of formless substance. Without form, there is no desire. Without desire, there is tranquility. And in this way, all things would be at peace. End quote. Non-action is the state of being and consciousness. They do not do. They simply are. And by virtue of that, the 10,000 things, this is all of creation or manifestation is realized. This exploration has only scratched the scratch of a scratch of the surface. And I'd love to end our episode with a quote from Meister Eckhart, which says, The eye through which I see God is the same eye through which God sees me. My eye and God's eye are one eye, one seeing, one knowing, one love. End quote. I pray for the strength and resolve to continue in this exploration so we can all benefit in it. Until next time, I bid you farewell and a lovely day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.